Okay, shall we get started? Okay, so I have a question for you guys. Whenever you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did any of you want to be like something really cool? Anyone? I, I really want to hear. Anyone? Nobody wanted to be anything fun. You what? You're trying to think? It was not that long ago. What do you want to be, Landon? A garbage man. That's cool. What else? Anyone? Y'all didn't have dreams when you were a child? <laughs> I feel like I should talk to your parents. Marine biology. I wanted to do that too. Actually, I went to school for that for like a year. Yeah. Make your own car company. See, that's cool. That's dreaming big, guys. That's what dreaming big is. Anyone? Anyone else? Okay, you want to know what I was? I bet you can't guess what I wanted to be. I wanted to be an actress. <laughs> because I know you're probably surprised because I'm so shy and quiet up here, right? Um, but no, I would have been an actress. And I always said, I always said this phrase, if I wasn't a Christian, then I would pursue acting. Um, because it's those Christian morals that are the reason I'm not famous, because obviously I would be famous if I was an actress, right? I could have. Okay, so anyways, so that statement right there shows that I had sh it kind of showed a lack of understanding that I had. First off, that I do think you can be a believer and be an actor, it just really limits the roles you're going to choose. Um, but also, it, it showed a lack of understanding in what it looks like to live your life for Christ. Not just in your actions, but in your beliefs on the inside as well. And so, what, what's hard for me is, you know, I grew up hearing, and I'm sure you did too, that you can be whatever you want to be. You just work hard, you try hard, and you can do whatever you want to. Just put your mind to it, right? And then you grow up, and you're like, well... I don't want to do what they're doing on TV. So I guess I can't really do everything that I put my mind to, right? So I'm limited. So that brings the question, does Christianity limit your freedom? And one of the arguments against Christianity is that this religion gives uh, a moral standard and will claim that some things, some actions are immoral and some are heresy. And so there is this boundary set there. And so people will say, well, this causes division among people and it limits your freedom. So first off, all right. Okay, so let's define freedom. It'll get up there eventually. So the freedom is the power or right to act speak and change as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom is often associated with liberty and autonomy in the sense of giving oneself one's own laws. So no restrictions, no limitations or rules placed. So the less restrictions you have, the freer you are. And so it says the word autonomy in here. So let's define that. Autonomy is the capacity to make an informed, uncoerced decision. So as in, you're not being forced to make any one decision made by someone else. You get to make that. And then there was a German philosopher named Immanuel Kant, and he defined autonomy as the moral right one possesses or the capacity we have in order to think and make decisions for oneself, providing some degree of control or power over the events that unfolded within one's everyday life. So he's saying 
that we have a moral right that we possessed to make our own decisions for our life. Now, does this sound like a familiar idea that we have grown up hearing? Yeah, does this sound familiar? And there can be a lot of good in this idea, like freedom helped end slavery. Freedom allowed our nation to be free out from the rule of another nation. It allowed people to choose their own work. So there is some good here. But there's a lot more to freedom than just this political ideal, and there's a lot more that people want out of that. And I think Disney does a really good job of telling us, showing us what the world really thinks about this. Because if you were to ask Disney, or really the world, the world would say that freedom would be choosing your own path, creating your own meaning and purpose in your life. So if you really think about it with these movies, you will see it everywhere. So Ariel, Ariel didn't, was not allowed to go up above the surface. So what did she do? She sold her soul to be a human, and then she went up there and found her prince charming and her happily ever after it worked out great. Luca, same thing. He was not allowed to go onto land. So what did he do? He ran away and then found his true purpose and meaning in what he was supposed to do on land. Mulan, she ran away and joined the army and found what she was supposed to do in the army. Cinderella ran away from her home and <laughs> married a prince. Okay, that's nice. And then Simba said, do not go beyond the Pride Lands. So what did he do? He went beyond the Pride Lands. Now, that one's actually interesting because with Simba, he had Scar talking in his ear behind him saying, like, your dad is holding out on you. He doesn't want you to see how great it is over there. Which is interesting because that's exactly what Satan does to us and what he did to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, right? He, he whispers these lies and says, your father's holding out on you. He doesn't want you to see how great it could be if you went over there, if you did that. And so that's how we see restrictions. We see it as God holding out on us. And so that's how people see restrictions in life. We want this autonomy in our life because, face it, we want to be our own God. No one should tell me how to live my life. Our world thinks that if, if you should be forging your own path, creating your own purpose, and restricting any freedom is stifling, and you should break out, and you should be in charge of your own identity, and that's where you find your true self. That's what's going to bring ultimate freedom and satisfaction when you have the freedom to do what you want, and Christianity prevents you from being your true self. Have you all ever heard these ideas? Does that feel like something you have seen? So here's the thing, though. The idea of this ultimate freedom is um, misunderstood because life is nothing, never as clear-cut as it seems. So nothing is act ever actually truly free. Think about it. There are always restrictions in life. Like, we're hardwired with this moral sense of right and wrong, and we have a sense of restricting our actions for the sake of other people. So there's these natural restrictions that happen in life that actually bring about more freedom. Think about learning the piano. If you wanted to learn the piano and you wanted to master it and you wanted to be able to play any song ever and just be incredible at it, well, what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to practice, which means you're going to not be able to go and hang out with your friends whenever you want all the time because you have to go and practice. And so you're, you're restricting yourself in other areas so that you can have this greater freedom in your abilities. Or I think about Steph Curry. How did you get, how did you think he got 
so good at three-point shots. That would be practicing over and over and over again. He probably didn't do it by staying up super late and playing video games and eating junk food, even though that's like our favorite thing to do, right? You can bet he had to be disciplined in every area of his life in order to gain this greater freedom that his discipline was offering, and that was being an incredible basketball player. He had to restrict that, and that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't given up other freedoms. Courtney Tate actually spoke on this a few years ago, and so I quoted her here. It said, we get the best freedom only if we are willing to submit our choices to certain realities. So there is like a paradox when it comes to freedom in Christ. Because when following God, we may have some boundaries and we have a standard of life that we're called to live. But within that, there's actually greater freedom and purpose in life. So freedom is a complex concept. Tim Keller says, freedom then is not the absence of limitations and constraints, but it is finding the right ones, those that fit our nature and liberate us. According to the internet's definition of autonomy, we should all be able to choose our own moral code and decide for ourselves right and wrong. But let me ask you guys, do you think everyone should choose for themselves what they think is right and wrong? What about sexual predators, murderers? I mean, I would hope that we would all agree that that's wrong, and most people do. But if not all, then really, should we really let everyone choose their own moral standard? Also, when you see that we have this natural sense of, of right and wrong, you see that that was from our creator. That was built into us. So we can't even be completely autonomous because we're actually all a product of the people who raised us. So your parents, when you were younger, spent countless hours saying, no, don't touch that. Nope, you have to share. Oh, be kind. Oh, tell them you're sorry. I mean, these are stuff that I say on repeat to my kids. And so you're, you're being shaped by the people around you, by the people who taught you. I was actually, just this week, I happened to be reading this parenting book, and it was talking about uh, discipline. It's from a guy named Justin Whitmell Early, and he was talking about how parents should have a loving authority in their, parent, their kid's life, and it says, it's so important for protecting them from the consequence of their own self-destruction. Good parental authority protects them and the world from themselves. But even more, being authoritative and disciplined is also about reinforcing a theological reality. A child is not autonomous. No one is. No one should be. The greatest harm any of us can do to ourselves and others is to seek a world without limits or authority. Now with kids, it's obvious, right? They need rules. I mean, their brains are not fully developed. They don't have the life experience to know not to go past the front yard because they don't know the dangers that are on the other side. They don't know there's cars or strangers with candy. And so they need the rules, they need the boundaries to tell them it's for their protection. Um, but really, do you think we should let kids do whatever they want? Like you've been around those kids, right? But think about impact camp. If you had no rules or restrictions, how chaotic would that club go? You would never get through a game. And so they need a boundary and a limitation in order for them to thrive and get the most out of that club. So for adults, you know, a lot of people will say, as long as you're not harming the other person, as long as you stay out of their, their way, then you can decide your morals for yourself. But when you consider Christian moral standards, the direction that God has laid out for us is actually a gift. 
It's for our protection. And he's saying, here, here is the best way for you to thrive and live a life full of joy and purpose and meaning. C.S. Lewis describes it like a machine. He said, in reality, moral rules are directions for running the human machine. Every moral rule is there to prevent a breakdown or a strain or a friction in the running of that machine. That is why these rules at first seem to be constantly interfering with our natural inclinations. When you are being taught how to use any machine, the instructor keeps on saying, no, don't do it like that. Because of course, there's all sorts of things that look all right and seem to you the natural way of treating the machine, but do not really work. So he's saying there's so many things that may look right or seem like the right way to do it, but they act, it actually doesn't work like that. So we don't always know what's best for us, but our creator knows how he designed us. And I would say he knows what's best for us. And so these boundaries that are here are good for us so that we can thrive and live a purposeful, fulfilled life. So there's greater freedom that comes when you're not just taking in all that the world offers. Because whenever you get to just do everything, to everything you want, whenever you want, that's actually more harmful to yourself and to others. And it's not how God designed the machine to work at its best. It reminds me of that kid on Matilda who ate that entire chocolate cake, you know, and he felt awful. You felt so bad for him afterwards. But we may feel like we want the whole cake, the whole thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean we should take all of it. Does that make sense? So some will phrase, some will use the phrase Christianity as a straitjacket, as in like it's confining, it restrains you from being who, what you want or who you should be, but that's false because Christianity celebrates who you are in God's image and gives you value and gives you purpose. It gives you a way to flourish and sin would be the straitjacket because once you give in to that desire, once you're pulled into that, it is really hard to get out and to break out of that. And it keeps you from living that purposeful life. Paul says in Romans that we're all slaves to something, either righteousness that leads to life or sin that leads to death. But we're all following after something. Romans six nineteen. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness, lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So you can live your life how you want, but what does it really get you? Is it, is it good for you, good for others? Because we're all following after something, so what, what's it going to be? Each little decision that you make in your life is going in one direction. So you need to think about where you want to end up in the end game. Because that can mean giving up certain freedoms now for something so much greater later. If you look at the statistics, the number of uh, people with depression and anxiety has just skyrocketed, really. And it just keeps going up. And it's worse among young people. There's a statistic I found that said adolescents aged 12 to 17, 20% of the population has suffered from depression. That's 5 million people, guys. And that's just in y'all's age group. That's insane. And that's a, there's a lot that goes into that, you know, of course, our obsession with screens and instant gratification and comparing ourselves to others' filtered faces. But what I really think is happening, we're searching for the wrong thing. We're trying to be our own God and make our own thing happen without regard to anyone else. 
We don't want any one person telling us what we can and can't do. We want this ultimate freedom of choice. But when you get that, when you get that thing that you really felt like you had to have, what happened? It's not satisfying. It's fleeting. It's gone. It's just a fleeting moment, and it honestly does more harm than good. So if anything, Christianity isn't a straitjacket. It's a life jacket. It may limit how deep you get to swim, but man, does it save your life. So I think about uh, relationships. You know, when you're in a relationship with someone, there's a sense of loyalty there, isn't there? You, you start considering the other person with your actions, and you give up certain freedoms for the sake of them because you care, right? And we think that we want to be free to do whatever it is that we want. You know, Bella should be able to date a vampire and a werewolf at the same time, and everybody should be cool with it. Do y'all even get that reference? It's kind of old. But, but here's the thing. If you're dating someone, say they decided that they were like, I might just go on another date just because, but I'll also date you too. How would you feel? I would be mad. I would assume you would all not be happy with that, right? Because you have made a commitment to one another, right? And you care for the other person. And so you're restricting your choices for the sake of them, for the sake of having a deeper relationship with them. You're going to not do other things, right? We just finished studying uh, the book of 1 Corinthians. And the whole thing, Paul talks about over and over again is saying like you can restrict these freedoms that you have these choices that you could make for the sake of your love for the other people and so he's saying you can choose not to eat this thing for the sake of their consciousness or you can choose to stop prophesying for the sake of them to understand and so he he does this back and forth all the time and so it's out of our consideration for others you willingly give up some of your freedoms because you care so we ultimately have so much freedom in Christ. Wow. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, we ultimately have so much freedom in Christ, and out of a love for him, we should desire to just lay down certain freedoms for the sake of following him, for the sake of something so much greater that he can give. But does that mean Christianity is one-sided? Does he hold all the power and we have to give up all the freedom? Well, if you consider the person of Jesus, then no. I mean, when you think about all that Jesus gave up, you see that he isn't holding over his power and control. He gave up so much more for the sake of just loving us. Philippians 2, 7 says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he lowered himself. He became human just to be among us, and then died a horrific death that he didn't deserve just because he loves us. So I, I would say that he gave up way more. And you know, when he says, you know, take up your cross and follow me, he's not asking you to do more than he's already done for you. In fact, he's gone above and beyond what he's asking most of us to do here. So if you look at the person of Jesus, if you look at all he has done for us and who he's proved himself to be, then we see a loving God who gave his life for us and then asks us to give our life to him in return. So we should recognize the authority of God. 
So just like kids need their parents' authority to guide them for their safety, we need the loving authority of our Creator who knows exactly what He has made us for. And so we need to trust that what He has laid out for us is actually for our good and for us to thrive. And we can know all this and trust all this because of Jesus. Just last week, Chase Bauer said this in his talk. The things we do know about Jesus can make us trust him in the things we don't know. So even in times, like when C.S. Lewis was talking about, like when our life, when we think, I feel like it should go this way, or I feel like I would rather do this, and yet God is saying, that's not how it works, then we can trust in him, and we can trust in the path that he has laid out for us and how he has designed us because it is for our good and it's for his glory. I'm going to pray and then we can break out. God, I just thank you so much um, for being a a loving father, Lord, that you don't um, demand something from us that you haven't already given yourself or that you laid down your whole life for us. God, I pray that when we look at the Christian life, Lord, that we can see that it is actually good, Lord, that there is not restrictions, but there is just freedom in you and how you have uh, designed us, Lord, to live. I just pray that uh, we can trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all can break out.